Every Wednesday around this time, partnership between the uh, radio station, WCCO, and the Star Tribune, in particular the Star Tribune editorial board today, represented by John Rash, as always, and D.J. Tice. Afternoon, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Let's start uh, at the federal level, and then uh, let's go to the state. Let's go with this. What are It's uh, about... The end of February, February 24th. So Joe Biden has been president um, for about five weeks or so. And obviously we're at a very serious time with COVID, the economy, and many other issues. John, you first. Broadly, what has worked for the Biden administration and what hasn't worked so far? What's worked is a return to normalcy, meaning we certainly have contentious, conversations in Congress. We have partisanship that exists, but it's all within the realm of the way that politics has been operating for a generation or so here, which doesn't mean all positive, but it's very far from the spiral that transcended under the Trump administration. Very memorably, Jeb Bush, when he ran for president in 2020, called uh, then Donald Trump uh, the chaos candidate, and it would be the chaos presidency. It certainly turned into that. We're not having that at this point. Um, we are having partisanship, and a lot of the talk of unity at the beginning is fading, not for lack of effort, but for lack of legislative uh, agreement, especially on issues such as the COVID relief bill and some others that are out there. So there certainly are some clashes on Capitol Hill, but nothing like the insurrection of the Capitol and and the politics spiraling out of control that happened in the tail end of the Trump administration. All right, G.J., what is working and what is not working so far? Well, I I, I clearly think John is right that we're, uh, you know, seeing a, a striking just change of, of tone and mood, and I think it's pretty welcome uh, for most of us. There's just the peace and quiet of it all. Uh, you know, it is an amazing uh, change in terms of the domination of the news by uh, a single person and personality. I mean, the President of the United States is always, you know, the most famous person in the world, more or less. Uh, but Donald Trump's domination of the news. Not you know from uh, throughout his presidency and maybe for the year before that was uh, unlike anything we've ever seen, and uh, you know all, you almost forget about the uh, the Biden uh, presidency. He uh, you know he has a hard time getting mm-hmm. into the news sometimes. Now part of the problem there was of course we had an impeachment trial, and you know we continue to have announcements of investigations and so on. So Trump's going to remain in the news. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I do think the peace and quiet is uh, is welcome. Uh, but on the other hand, a president needs to command the agenda to some degree. And uh, that, I think, uh, Biden has yet to do. Uh, as John mentions, the big uh, COVID bill is the main opportunity to make the unity talk real. It seems like there's a lot of room there. Uh, you know, with the Republicans willing to spend $600 billion, that's a big number. You'd think you could find some kind of a place that you could make a deal and kind of get that unity ball rolling, but not so far. 
Well, let, let's stay with that because once he won, that was one of the, the more interesting questions, DJ, because Joe Biden would say when it was the general election and when President Trump and his supporters would try to position him as a puppet of the far left, he'd say, you got the wrong guy. That's not me, right? I beat those folks. That's not me. Look at my track record. So, so then the question was, well, was he going to be a president that way? And how much could he do? Because he needs the energy with the far left to get things done. He needs their passion and he needs their vote. So is he going to stay with the 1.9 and when there are Democrats who think it should be higher? Or is he going to be more traditional to himself, Doug, and say, I'm a deal maker? He showed it again. I'm just uh, his relationship when he visited Bob Dole the other day, you know, and Bob Dole's battling stage four cancer and he worked with Bob Dole. Does he show that side of him? And let's say it's a a one billion dollar bill where he's a little bit even closer to the Republicans, right. which right. gives him a better chance to be a more productive and successful president for the first few months. Well, that is that is the question. What the, exactly the answer is, I'm sure that he and his folks are are trying to figure it out. But in the end, I think a person has to go with their their own instincts and what they actually believe in. Uh, at, at, at least you you know you, you you kind of split the difference in that direction. So, so I think he continues to try to make a deal, uh, some kind of a deal. But he's frankly under a lot of uh, pressure. I mean, the the far left is going to help him out in the sense that you know they will make uh, they will make the complaint that he's being too centrist, no matter almost what he does. I mean, he's already in trouble with them for not being all in on college debt forgiveness and uh, you know the and yep. green new deal kind of stuff. So he's never going to be far enough left, you know, to satisfy the most militant folks there and and their complaints will help him, you know, look more uh, centrist. But he's got to get a deal. He's got to make a deal, and that means he actually needs Republican votes. So he's going to have to give some ground. I don't know if he can give ground all the way to $1 trillion as opposed to virtually $2 trillion, but yeah. he can get closer to them. What do you think on that debate, John? The DJ surmises it well, particularly politically. I think what is tugging President Biden in a different direction right now is consensus economic analysis by some centrists as well, that the mistake coming out of the Great Recession, when, of course, then Vice President Biden served in an administration trying to tackle that crisis, was that the U.S. didn't go big enough in terms of what the federal government did to ameliorate the situation, and that it uh, they paid for it in terms of sluggish growth from years hence, and that that hurt the Obama administration politically. Now, certainly I concur with DJ that the wiser move in terms of Capitol Hill and Main Street would be to come to some kind of an accord with the Republicans, have their more bipartisan buy-in, particularly on something so big, and hope that the pent-up demand that so many Americans have will make up the difference for what the government doesn't spend, that we may have a, a boom just because people just can't wait to get out and enjoy the summer and more profoundly each other uh, face to face. 
we get enough mass vaccination out there. But right now, I think that, you know, the the economists have his ear, as DJ correctly says, you have the left wing of the Democratic Party who were pushing him and he's pushing back on some key issues that have particular cultural signaling, including complete forgiveness of college debt. And here, the president may be able to forgive by executive order or by bill a certain portion of it, up to $10,000 has been discussed, um, but he is not all in on doing that, which would be highly divisive in this in this country and maybe exacerbate the political, let alone class divides that, that exist here. But uh, right now, it, it seems that the go big or go home argument seems to be winning. I, you know, I I think that's right, and I, I kind of fear that it's right. I mean, I must say, I, I think you, one could find plenty of respectable economists who would agree that sending $1,400 per person to families with $150,000 incomes is really a little stimulus too far. That you know, those folks have plenty of room to spend if and when they you know they feel safe traveling, and they're you know they're they're free. Uh, both with their own concerns and government mandates, you know, to go out and live their life. Uh, so I, you know, I think I think it gives him room to negotiate if he can find the political room. The former president, Mr. Trump, has been in the news just a little. Last week, uh, fairly prominent with the uh, passing of Rush Limbaugh, but that's about to change this weekend. We'll talk about that when we come back. Right back with uh, Playing Politics from the Star Tribune editorial board, John Rash and D.J. Tice. Speaking of politics, don't forget the governor of the state, Tim Walls. He's on the show at uh, 235. So CPAC, this is a large yearly event for conservatives, uh, high, highly known speakers, up-and-coming speakers, uh, obviously gather a little bit different this year with COVID. Let's see how different with COVID. But the headliner, he stayed out of the spotlight for a very, very brief time, Donald J. Trump. The president is going to speak. The former president is going to speak Sunday. So earlier today, and, John, I'll start with you, uh, Kevin McCarthy, leader of the GOP, and leadership position, I think, number three, Liz Cheney, were both asked – should the president, former president, speak at CPAC? McCarthy, yes, he should. Liz Cheney, it's up to CPAC, but he should have no role in our party or our country. McCarthy then finishes on that high note, won the pre- press conference. That's a pretty large split within the party right now, Joe. <laughs> and deeply reflective of what's happening <laughs> on Capitol Hill and the country. And when you look at that clip, as opposed to watching Representative Cheney speak, watch uh, Leader McCarthy's face as she's speaking. Yes. He seems absolutely pained, and I think he's pained over the split in his country. And he's at a split within his own position. If you remember, he came out right after uh, the Capitol riot and said, no, these were not Antifa imposters posing as Trump supporters. These were members of the base, and this is who did this to our capital and to our country. Reportedly after that, it came out that he was furious with President Trump, even swore on a phone call with him as he was trying to get help to the Capitol and clearly felt that 
he and his colleagues and the country had been wronged. And then, of course, a couple of days after that, he makes a pilgrimage down to Mar-a-Lago to try to patch things up, and he's trying to do the same thing right now. I think what's as compelling as President Trump being there is who's not being there. You Here you have a party that's running against cancel culture, and they make a point of it that Mitt Romney, as just one, has been disinvited. Mike mm-hmm. Pence won't be there as well. And some of the real key members of the Republican Party will not be taking part. So this is a solidification of the GOP becoming a party of one, um, President Trump's party, as opposed to the broader tent that most parties try to be. And trying to put this together in the next two and four years is going to be one of the major dramas playing out in American politics. Well, and, and just pick up on that byplay, John, and, and, and on Mitt Romney since – uh, John mentioned that. Uh, DJ, you jump in here. I apologize. Uh, Mitt Romney acknowledged the other day that if the president runs, the former president runs in 2024, he's going to win. Obviously, Romney won't exactly wrap his arms around him, but he acknowledges the reality of the sway and the popularity he still has with a large part of the party. Well, yes, uh, it, it's been a long time since uh, we had a political party break apart. But it's not unheard of, and it's not impossible. Uh, I guess you have to go back to something like 1912 when uh, Theodore Roosevelt, in a comeback attempt, formed his own party, having failed to get the Republican nomination, the Bull Moose Party, and ran as a third-party candidate, won Minnesota, among other uh, states, and um, you know did pretty well, uh, but handed the presidency to the Democrats, which would undoubtedly be the net effect of uh of a trump uh inspired split uh it you know it would put the uh, democrats in a strong position for a very long time unless they also split uh which isn't doesn't seem quite as imminent but uh, they have plenty of divisions uh but but certainly trump is the kind of figure who could make something like that happen uh you know and he has the the kind of uh, zeal for strife uh to want to make it happen so uh, hold on. We'll see what happens. The likelihood that does happen, though, before we get to 2024, that there is a formal division within the Republican Party? I'd say 60 40 against. That's still pretty high, John. How about you? Well, I concur with DJ that it's less likely than it is more likely, but it is clearly a possibility. And DJ describes it quite well. The one intervening dynamic that we can't account for yet because we don't know how serious it's going to get are the potential legal cases that Mm -hmm. President Trump will face, both in a civil and potentially criminal courtroom involving his past as as in business, as well as his efforts to overturn the election, particularly in Georgia, where Reportedly, the Fulton County um, District Attorney is looking into charges regarding his call to the Secretary of State and his attempt to, you know, pick up. I only need eleven thousand votes or whatever exact total you know yeah. that he had on the phone call, if you remember. Um, and just this week, as we're all well aware, the Supreme Court did not continue to shield President Trump's tax returns from Cyrus Vance Jr. The New York City prosecuting attorney. So, you know, there could be a lot of legal cases that could change his political trajectory. 
Yeah, good point. I just got to jump in. Hard break. Excellent info from both you guys today. Thank you so much.